Today we'll be study number 68. And that's hard to believe, but yeah, we're, we're getting on up in this one. Uh, in our study, we've called Angels and Giants Factor Fiction. And today is uh, November the 20th, 2022. And our purpose uh, throughout this entire series uh, is to investigate the angels and giants that are mentioned in Scripture. Uh, and by doing that, try to alleviate some of the confusion that some scripture verses uh, seem to generate uh, among folks. So that's our purpose. And uh, hopefully that purpose has been met to a great degree. Uh, but now I must admit, here in, uh, here in the book of Revelation, lots of angels, lots of stuff happening, uh, lots of events that are taking place that are sanctioned and literally assigned by God the Father. Uh, to take place upon the earth according to the Lord's prophecy and his, uh, the will of his good pleasure. And, um, in some cases, even according to the will of his wrath, as we've, uh, been reading, uh, several times in several places through the Revelation. So last week, uh, we continued on in our study of angels. In the Revelation by looking at the seven angels mentioned in Revelation 15 and 16, uh, along with their assigned task. As I said, God has prearranged various tasks for these angels to complete in His overall plan and purpose. And that's exactly what they are doing as we move through, uh, the accounts that our man on the ground, John, uh, is witnessing as the angel pours them out to him. Remember, the revelation came from God to Jesus Christ, to the angel, straight to John, and then to us. And that's how we've got what we've got as recorded by John of what he saw when he was in the Spirit, as he says, on the Lord's day. So uh, last week we made it through... Uh, chapter 15, and uh, we stopped at verse 7 of chapter 16 when we were looking at the seven last angels, these, these last angels that are unleashed out of the heavens to bring forth God's wrath on the face of the earth. And that may sound a little harsh, and the wrath of God certainly is harsh, but it's also prophesied, and the wrath of God is necessary for the cleansing of creation so that the goal of First Corinthians 15, where God is not only all, but he is all and in all, so that that goal can be achieved. That is going to happen. Regardless of what happens between here and there, there will come a point to where all things are delivered up to the Father. And the Son is in charge of all the judgment. And all the judgment will be meted out. The wine press of wrath will be meted out, as we're going to read about today. <coughs> and God, once again, God the Father, God the Son... God the Holy Spirit, along with har harmonic creation. Creation, once again, in perfect harmony with no division. God will then be all and he will be in all. And that's where we're going. Everything that we're going to read in the book of Revelation, in my opinion, is a stepping stone toward that goal. And if you keep that in mind, it will be a lot easier to um, keep up with this and understand as we move through it. So hopefully hopefully it will be a help to you. Uh, so last week we got all the way through 15. We got down through verse 7 of chapter 16 <coughs> and looking at these last seven angels. So for today's study, I want to continue on and try to finish up Revelation 16 this morning, uh, picking up with verse 8, and we'll read... Uh, Let's read verses 1 through 7 again of chapter 16 just so that we kind of know where we are 
and what's going on with these first angels. And I want you to realize and, and know that as we read through these again, note what each angel is in charge of. Note the task that has been assigned to each of these angels as we move through these prophetic um, things to come, so to say. Revelation 16, 1, read with me. John says, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. What a, what a terrible saying. Go and exercise the assigned wrath of God on the face of the earth. Verse 2, and the first went, this first angel, of course, and he poured out his vial upon the earth. Notice, his is on the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast. See, this is all pointed at those that take the mark of the beast and worship the beast in his image, and hold them as God. So the these vows are, are poured out, and they get a grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. So verse 3 says, And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And it's interesting that living souls there, the nephashes, the breathers, are spoken of as every living soul becomes what? It becomes a dead soul. It don't breathe anymore. Because fish have to breathe brine water in the sea. They can't breathe congealed blood and make it very long. And that's what happens to the sea. He said, he poured out his vial on the sea and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul in, died in the sea. And the third angel, verse 4, poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters and they became blood. So the water system is totally disseminated. It's totally destroyed here. It's all turned to blood. This is symbolic of that um, of all the bloodshed I believe that has been shed uh, by man at the hands of man down through the, the eons of time uh, that we've existed in. I believe that's what that's indicative of why God chose blood there. Verse 5, And I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord. So there, you know, we discussed this. There's an angel of the waters. And in a moment, we're going to see the angel of the fire. Angel of the sun. So let's read on. Verse 5, And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and washed and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. The angels commend God. For the judgment that's being meted out. And he goes on, the angel does, in verse 6. He says, for they have shed the blood of saints. See, I believe that's why God used blood. He replaced water with blood as a symbol of the blood of the saints that had been spilled down through the eons. Those that stood for God. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. And thou hast given them blood to drink. For they are worthy. They're worthy of that blood, the angel says. And then verse 7, and this is where we stopped last week. And it says in verse 7, And I heard another out of the altar say, and, and there's a note in the companion Bible, the text actually omits this term, another out of, and you basically supply the ellipsis, with the angel of, and, and this is the angel of the waters. This is the angel of the water continuing on. And he says, and I heard the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Again, commending God for his true and righteous judgment. Verse 8, and we'll pick up here and start fresh with the fourth angel today. Uh, as we try to get on through and, and complete uh, 
complete our study here in Revelation 16 and the angels that are that are contained in this chapter. So it says in verse 8 as we begin today, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. That upon there is uh, epi in the Greek, if you wondering which uh, which uh, verb that really, or that, uh, what do they call it? Uh, oh, help me out. I can't remember the name of the type of word. But, yeah, I drew a total blank. Is it not an adjective? No, it's not. It's a, uh, uh, it'll come, no, it's not a pronoun, I don't think either. Preposition, thank you. It's preposition, yeah, it's epi there, instead of a poem, it should be epi. Well, epi in the Greek anyway. The fourth angel poured out his vow upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Now, that doesn't, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very pleasant. The fourth angel pours out his vial upon the sun. Now, I don't know if the sun's heat just intensifies at this point or what takes place, but it sounds like there's something about the vial that this angel controls and this this angel is sort of in charge of the fire or in charge of the sun. And he literally turns up the thermostat on the sun. Now, I don't know how much, how many of these documentaries you've seen. But the earth and the temperature of the earth is in a very precarious position as far as where we are temperature wise. The scientists tell us that if the earth were uh, even a small amount closer to the sun or a small amount further away from the sun, that the climate on this planet would be completely different because one way or the other tilts the balance. Well, we've already had an angel pour out his vial on the sea and turn it to blood. We've had another pour out his vial on the fresh water and turn it to blood. So now we have one that's poured out his vial upon the sun and he's turning up the heat off of the sun so that it literally says the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and power was given unto him. Dominion, power, is given him over the sun to scorch men with fire. Now I don't know about you, that I already don't like intense sunshine very much. I'm not a beach person. Uh, I've been to the beach several times with the family and I'm the guy that hangs out with a fan blowing on him under the tent all afternoon. Now I may go get in the water occasionally because it's kind of cool. And I, and I do love to fish, yeah. But uh, as far as the rest of it goes, I pretty much hang out under the tent with a fan blowing on me because I'm not much on the sun's intensity. I burn uh, I go from the, the lily white that I am to lobster red, uh, all the way to peeling off, all the way back to lily white, ready to repeat the process. Um, I'm not like, Lori gets a nice tan, Candace, Tony, all these folks, my daughter, all of them get a pretty nice tan, not good old dad. I've, I've got dad skin, I guess, and, and me and him's pretty much the same. Uh, we go from lobster white to burnt right back to lobster white. Our inheritance. <coughs> yeah. Don't ever leave That's that. our inheritance, yeah. So um, I can only imagine what happens here with the intensity of the sun. I can see grass being dried up. Since all the water sources are gone, I can also see the plant life pretty much going away. I can see people scurrying for food that's going to be in very short supply because now you can't fish, you can't drink, and you can't uh, eat, it appears. So think about the, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if there's a vial of sunscreen or not, Chico, but if there's not, then it's going to be interesting. 
So I want you to think about the global ramifications of what we're looking at here as we go through this. Um, you know, man's been trying to globalize himself all these years. Well, when God takes control and actually does something on a global basis, it's pretty pretty impactful to the earth. There's a lot of impact with what God's doing globally. So power was given under this fourth angel to scorch men with fire. And I, you know, if I were there for this, I would certainly be one of the hard recipients of this because I don't take the sunshine very well. Verse 9. It says, And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. So they stuck with it, even in the face of all that's going on, in the face of these earth-changing events that they see unfolding before them. What do they do? Well, they blaspheme the name of God, and they repent not, and they don't give him any glory for being who he is. They stick to their guns, so to say. Stick to the plan. We're with the beast and with his image, and that's what we're going to worship. And they blaspheme the God of heaven, who created all things. Sad but true. Doesn't sound too much unlike us today, does it? I mean, if you look at what's going on in society today, Maybe a drop in the bucket of what's coming in the in the end times, but we're bad enough. It's bad enough. So they repented not to give him glory. So we, we get to verse ten in the fifth angel. And the fifth angel it says poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. Ah. Now you remember the beast, the son of perdition. Uh, this is the beast that rises up. So the next vial gets poured out on the seat of the beast, and the seed is sort of where he lives and where he dwells. So the vial is poured out upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for the pain. Darkness, pain, being, you're either scorched with fire, then you have this intense darkness and pain. I'm telling you, and, and I had a conversation with Jane yesterday about some of these things. I still believe, from the position where we are as members of the church, the body of Christ, that as part of the body of Christ, that within that body, I believe we still all have our own individuality. And even as we have that individuality within his body, I still have to believe that wherever the sun goes, the head, the body goes with it, just like our bodies. That's why God uses that analogy. Is because, you know, we have a body, but all the members of our body don't do the same thing. You know, we have eyes that see, ears that hear, mouths that speak, hands that grab and hold, feet that carry us. All the different members are still members of the body, although they do exactly different things. They do very different things. And I believe that the body of Christ is going to be very similar to that. I've heard some say that they think the body is uh, like a Congress. And, and in reality, it probably is. But within that Congress, we all still have, I think, our individuality within that body. And since I also believe, and you can agree or disagree with this, that the next thing on God's calendar... Next thing on our calendar, of course, is Thanksgiving. The next thing on God's calendar is the appearing, where we as the members of the body of Christ will appear there with Christ as a part of his body, 
He will be shown and manifested and celebrated in the heavenlies by those beings that are there now. And they will see and understand the manifold wisdom of God, the all-collective wisdom, and they will say, Oh, my God, just like the angel was telling God how great his judgments and statutes are, I believe the entire heavens will celebrate what they see take place when Christ is manifested. He's currently hidden in God in the heavens. They can't see him. They know he's there. They know God is working out a plan and a purpose, but they don't know what that is yet. It's like he's under a tarp, so to say. And they know that he's in there, but they can't see him because he's just the head. We, as the body of Christ, fulfill that body. Well, I think it'll be like a caucus, like in government, where... The Congress that we were talking about. So. Yeah, or the caucuses are pulled together to become one. And to be the fullness. Yeah, to be the... And, and that's what Jane and I discussed yesterday, that when we become the fullness of, of him that filleth all in all, we fill him, and then he in turn begins to fill the all and the in all that we're working toward. So I have to believe that whatever Christ is involved with toward that filling, we will be involved with. Whatever he sees, we will see. Whatever he experiences, we will experience. And you see where I'm going with this. That we will probably be witnessing a lot of what we're reading here in Revelation, but not from a standpoint of suffering from it, but from a standpoint of helping carry it out. That's just for you to think about and mull over a little bit. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before or not. But if I'm right about the sequence of events, then it's something you need to think about. Because to me it makes a little bit of sense that as the progression goes along, what he sees, I see. What he sees, we will see. As members of his body. I mean, my head doesn't go too many places that the rest of my body don't go. You know, <laughs> sometimes when I, when it seems like my head's in the wrong place, somebody may say, well, how does his head get up in there anyway? Yeah. And, and uh, hopefully that's not the case, but you get the, you get the analogy that, you know, usually where the head goes, the body goes. And I, I think from that standpoint of reasoning that it's pretty safe to assume that we will be intimately involved in whatever the head, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, is working out. Because he's not going to go just as a head. If that were the case, he would not be hidden in God in the heavenlies right now. He could go forth and do whatever he needs to do. There is a reason that Christ is hidden God. And that our life is hid within him. Which brings me to another question. He's been silent all the time. Yeah. Do we have a resurrection or are we there now? Have you ever thought about this? For you're dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Have you really thought about what that means? I know we talk about resurrection a lot. Jane and I discussed this a little bit yesterday. But even as I, I talk and listen to Jeff Brown, I believe their group studies and, and goes along some of the lines that the church, the body of Christ, is not resurrected, that we're there already, and the only thing keeping us from appearing with them is the fact that we're not dead yet. But on God's timetable, when the day of Christ arrives... Either we'll be dead and with him there already and we will be manifested with him. Or if we're here and still alive when that day comes, I believe we just, I believe our bodies just fall down. And we, our true bodies, are there within his body. And we'll be manifested with him in the heavenly places as part of his body, as his completeness, his pleroma.
God deals in completeness. Now, I know that's a mouthful. And maybe challenges what some of us think about being resurrected or not resurrected. But I think these things need to be discussed. I think there's a, I think there's a lot there that, uh, I know I would like to understand a whole lot more about. Didn't mean to get off on all that. So let's get back to Revelation 16. The fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. I'm in verse 10. And his kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues for pain. That's a lot of pain. I've seen people in so much pain that they literally had to be sedated. They couldn't take it. And that sounds like what we got here. Not only did they gnaw their tongues for pain, but verses 11 says that they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. But they repented not of their deeds. We hate the pain. We hate the sores. But we're not changing our minds. We're still going to worship the beast in his image. So don't try to convince me about what I believe. Uh, don't try to convince me about what I believe. Yeah, Throne, I think there's, I think there's a lot we need to look at regarding, I know resurrection happened differently in previous dispensations. And there are many resurrections, there's not just one. Several resurrections. I can show you where the men of Nineveh, of the town of Nineveh, come forth in the revelation. When they are, when they are, are, are raised up. The men of Nineveh. Yeah, the one that Jonah went to. They will stand with Israel in that day. Whether you like it or not, or I like it or not, or whether anybody likes it or not. Scripture says it's going to happen. So we need to, I think we need to reinvestigate to, to throne life's note there. I think we need to reinvestigate where we, where we are with resurrection. And if, and how these verses in Colossians that speak as if we are already dead and our life is hid with, what does that mean? What does that really mean? I don't feel dead. I didn't think dead men could speak, but according to Colossians, I am dead. Right? Well, this ceiling that takes place. It's, I think you're exactly right that in God's mind, it's already a done deal. Yeah. But I wonder in God's mind, without already being a done deal, does that physically mean that my deposit is already there hid with Christ in God and that my body is already there and as it's being built, as that body of Christ is being built, when the last one appears in it and we hit Pleroma, I believe things begin to happen. And I believe that to be Christ's day as we read in the scripture. Not the Lord's day or God's day or man's day, but Christ's day. The day when he is manifested in the heavenlies with his body. Well, you see, what we're reading here now is that there's no changing taking place. Not with the ones that has the marks uh, or anything of this. And, and nobody repents. Yeah, you're exactly right. What we're seeing is wrath being poured out yeah, on the ones that absolutely will not change their minds. Yeah. So they made their choice. It's like they have made the choice and now it can't change. It's the Lord's balance in process. What you're seeing here is the, the balance between the Lord's good and Satan's evil being balanced back out. The ledger is being corrected by the one who does the accounting right here. So let's read verse 11. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. As dad said, they wouldn't repent. They repented not of their deeds. 
Now verse 12, it begins to get interesting yet again. So the sixth angel, we're almost out of angels. We've got two more, the sixth and the seventh. So the sixth angel in verse 12 poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. Huh. I thought all the rivers had already been taken care of. Didn't the third angel uh, pour out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters and they became blood? That's what it says up in uh, verse 4. Evidently, that one didn't apply to the river Euphrates. No, because I think that was the boundary. And the boundary point is for different reasons. Some kind of separator there. It's a, it's a separation, really. Yeah. And, you know, I think back to where uh, one of the prophets uh, was given a coat. Oh yeah, and he took it over to the Euphrates, and he hid it in a rock in the river, or in a cleft of a rock in a river for a reason. Yeah, there. And I wonder if this angel, or the angel of the waters, had anything to do with that situation. Looking way back, looking. That's a good question. And I can't remember where we. It, it probably either had to be Elijah or Elisha. I'm not sure which one. Okay. Because I remember some of what you're talking about, but I don't know the entire. Maybe yeah, some. It of, was kind of like it was kind of like a coat, sort of like the uh, the the priest had uh, the the priestly yeah, coat. You right. Know? And he and he took it and hid it for a period of time. Yeah, I can't I mean, remember what the deal was. Yeah, called. some of you Bible scholars out there know the scripture Dad's talking about and can throw it on the screen. That'd be great. But that's just interesting analogy there. I, I, now that you mentioned that, I remember what you're talking about, but I don't remember who it was or where it is either. But it may be significant. Ever, and, and even a study of the, the Euphrates River through the scripture. I believe would be very telling about yeah. what's going on here. And, it, it, and it's different from the other rivers because... There is something in that river right now, or under that river. I believe it's hidden there. I believe it's been there forever, Well, or for a long time. I, I often wonder if, the, if, if the, some of the good angels were, were there... For the protection of Israel. Holding it closed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, could be. <laughs> you know, because if water can hold, you know, if water can bind or hold it, you know. It's in Jeremiah thirteen four. Chip posted it. It says, Take the girdle that thou hast got, which is upon thy loins, and arise, go to Euphrates, and hide it there in a hole of the rock. So it's hidden there. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I didn't think I'd read it. Yeah, no, it's Jeremiah 13. It might be good to go back and read that and see exactly kind of what's going on there. I'm on, I'm on my computer. Yeah, Jeremiah 13, 4 is what Chip, thank you, Chip, for posting that. So, the sixth angel pours out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. Let's look and see what happens. And the water thereof, so it hasn't been turned to blood yet, obviously. So the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Uh-oh. The kings of the east. you see that? Um, this is the, I think the one river Euphrates we're talking about here, Dort, is the actual one on the earth, because all the other waters that the angels are dealing with are the ones on the earth as well. So let's look at more about this sixth angel. And now, along with this, you can also look at the sixth angel that's mentioned in Revelation 9, verses 13 through 15 as well. Check that out. I'm not going to go back there for time's sake today. But you may want to go back and read. That angel also has something to do with the Euphrates River. There's a lot going on with the river Euphrates in the scripture. Yeah. Lots. Well, it's mentioned right off the bat in Genesis. 
God promised it. They it's one of those four fountainheads. He promised it to Abraham. Yeah. yeah. One of those four fountainheads. So just saying, there's a lot there with the river Euphrates. Need yeah. to need a study there. So the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. So let's read on verse 13. John goes on, our man on the ground, and he says, And I saw three unclean spirits, uh-oh, like frogs, come out of the mouth of the dragon. Well, we know who the dragon is. We established that, that back in chapter 12. Yeah. So the, the unclean spirits come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, the unholy trinity. These demons, yes, I said demons, come forth out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, out of the unholy trinity that we talked about earlier, woe be unto the earth. We get more information in verse 14. For they are the spirits of demons, spirits of devils, working miracles. Ah! You mean they can do the same miracles that God can? A lot of cases, yes, they can. Working miracles. So they're very convincing. You know, the counterfeit, when God sent the people out, the believers out, the apostles out in the Acts period, guess what? They could do great things. They could do great miracles. They could heal people. They could raise the dead. They could uh, speak with tongues. They could take up deadly poisons and drink them and nothing happens. They could get bit with serpents and nothing happens. They could touch garments and send them to places. Send them to people. People could touch the garments and be healed. So why would you think that the unholy trinity wouldn't have the same ability as Satan gives them power? Makes perfect sense to me. Verse 14. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them, listen to this, to the battle of that great day of God the Almighty. The battle of Armageddon. These demons that go forth from the mouths of the three persons of the unholy trinity go into the people to gather them together, the ones that are left, I guess, after all these plagues. They still fight back, and they still gather as a great worldwide army against the forces of God at the Battle of Armageddon. Isn't that something? Think about that for a minute. So let's read it one more time. 14. They are the spirits of devils, the demons, working miracles, signs, miracles, and wonders, just like God's people did, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world. They go out to everybody in the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God, the Almighty. The article's left out there in the translation, but it should be God the Almighty. Our God. God the Father. And then after John says that, he pauses. Verse 15, and he prays. I guess it takes him back a bit. Let me get your water. And he says this. He says, Behold, verse 15. This is an inserted prayer. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. 
the prayer there, inserted prayer. So 16 really picks up right after 14, where it says it gathered them to the battle of that great day of the God the Almighty, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. They all meet at Armageddon. And there's some interesting notes on verse 16. It's the, in the Greek, it's Armageddon, um, as most texts read. It says the word, the Mount of Megiddo. Therefore, this is in Palestine, not Europe. Uh, many Bible scholars thought the, the Battle of Armageddon would take place in Europe. But the note here says that, that this place is in Palestine, not in Europe. It says, see Judges 5, uh, 19 and other occurrences in Isaiah 10, uh, as the te- Septuagint reads Megiddo, uh, for, uh, for Migron. Megiddo. The Valley of Megiddo or Armageddon. So now we're down to the seventh angel. The final angel. So let's read about him as time allows here. I've got just a few minutes. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. Ah. So we had one on the rivers, one on the earth, one on the sun, one on the seas. Now we have, uh, and we have one on the, the kingdoms of the beast, the seed of the beast. And now we have an angel that pours out his vial right straight into the air. And into the air, I have to believe, is the atmosphere around this planet. So he poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying what? It is finished. It's done. Where have you heard that before? As the Lord hung on the cross between heaven and earth, right before he gave up his spirit, and he was dead for three days and three nights, he said, it is done. It's finished. The work is finished. What comes out of the temple here? Basically the same statement. The wrath is finished. Wrath of God is done. It's finished. Verse 18. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And listen to this. And there was a great earthquake. I believe this earthquake answers to the earthquake of Peleg's day in Genesis 10. As there was one in the beginning, there has to be one in the end. All this separation is going to come back together. Exactly. Great earthquake, it says. Such as was not since men were upon the earth. So it must be of a magnitude that is totally unbelievable. I know you've seen some of these crazy movies about the end of the world and all these things. They usually got The Rock, I think, starring in most of them. He's pretty good uh, action figure when it comes to that. But you wonder where they get these ideas about all this stuff. And I think they get a lot of their ideas from what goes on in Revelation. Because for about everything you see in Revelation, I can think of a movie that somebody's made that goes along with it. Yeah, because all these demons and Ungodly looking things. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's all in here, and this is but this is real. It's going to happen. Yeah, this ain't the figment of somebody's imagination. So we got a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great that I believe answers to the shaking of Peleg's day, where it says and the earth was divided in Peleg's day. Genesis chapter 10. Go back and check that out. We're not going to go for time's sake, but it's there. Check it out. It says in 19, And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. 
And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. The, the great Babylon gets special treatment during the wrath of God. And you can look at all that special treatment. We probably will next week in chapter 17. There's an entire chapter in Revelation dedicated to the Babylon mentioned in this one verse right here. Details about it. And we'll go over that probably next week. Great Babylon, the great harlot, the whore, that sits on many nations. A lot going on there. So the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island, look at verse 20, every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Wow. Enough of an earthquake to do away with all the islands and to smooth out the mountains. Sounds like we're going to have Kansas pretty much everywhere you look, if you ask me. It's going to be pretty smooth around here. Well, these deep places that you find in the, talking about the deep, uh, when all this comes back to make a, I guess to complete a band back around the center of the earth, or Put the earth back maybe the way it was in the beginning. Back the way yeah. it was. Because you see, the animals didn't have any, any problem coming to the ark. Yeah. They, wherever they were, in all the earth, they could come to the ark right. without, without building bridges or without somebody going to All these things, yeah. Back. When God told them to come, they come. And, Amen. and they could have been anywhere on the earth. And so, that's, you know, to me, that, that's bringing things back in order. Right. That's a good point. But it doesn't look like we're going to have very many hills or mountains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you, you know, the, the thing in the Scripture says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, move a mountain. you can move a mountain. Yeah, well, God's going to move them all all at one time. <laughs> Shows where his faith well, is. Think about, yeah. Think about a little bit, a little, little bit of mustard seed. Uh-huh. Well, if you had that kind of faith, if you, if you, if you had where you could use it, then if there was a mountain up there, you could just move it down. Yeah, it is back to, you're right, Chico, it is back to Mount Michael's Flat Earth thing there. I guess. <laughs> I don't know if it's just going to be a smooth ball or if it's going to be completely flat. I'm not well, sure. Uh, <laughs> The, the size of God's, the size of God's city is going to be great. Pretty good, yeah. But also the site of, of the Holy Land over there is, is good with, with the earthquake that comes just to that one place. When God puts his foot back down on the earth, it's going to be big too. Uh-huh. A lot got to happen. Well, let's read 21 and we'll be done. And there fell upon me in a great hail. That's H-A-I-L. There fell upon men a great hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail. For the plague thereof was exceedingly great. Now, I don't know what the world's record for a hailstone is. But I wager it's not 114 pounds. Because that's what a talent weighs. Have you ever seen a 114 pound hailstone? Do you understand now why men... No, but I've seen a 100 pound block of ice. Yeah. That, that you know, that you don't want that crashing down out of heaven on you. Yeah, these... Uh, yeah, <laughs> these... You're right, Alan. They could certainly kill some giants. If there were giants in the earth in those days, they could certainly take them out. 114 pounds is what a talent weighs in the old measurement. That's the equivalent in today's measurement. Can you imagine hailstones weighing 114 pounds? It's like a meteor shower where the meteors don't burn up. 
they just crash into the earth. I've seen that in movies as well. I mean, you see these things a lot. Yeah. In uh, in all these movies, and we'll stop there. That's a, that's the end of. That's where I wanted to get to today, if possible, was the end of chapter sixteen. What do you think about the meteor? Maybe be a part of God's fire too. You know. So. Exactly. I mean, it's. Uh, the wrath of God being poured out here in these vials with these seven angels is not a pleasant thing. But it wasn't meant to be a pleasant thing. It was meant to square up the ledger. It was meant to bring about God's balance. God is not just being mean here. God is setting the balance of creation back to how it needs to be. And that's what's happening. So bear that in mind as we um, as we go through these things. Yeah, they're for His good pleasure, but God in His perfection requires perfection, and He requires the balance, the balance of the ages. I believe so. Kind of keep that in mind as we go through this. Bow with us, and we'll close, and uh, then we'll <laughs> shut the mic down, and uh, we'll we'll get out of here for the Arizona study today. Marty, I'm. Haven't heard if we're having that today or not. Uh, well, thank you, Kathy. Glad you're enjoying it. Uh, I really get a lot out of going through this. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed looking at these angels and what they do. And i got to admit, I've gained a much better understanding for what's going on in Revelation as a result. And I hope you have uh, as well. That's my prayer. Uh, remember, I said in our purpose that we're trying to alleviate confusion. And uh, if I'm creating it instead of alleviating it, then we're going the wrong direction. So hopefully it's helping you. Bow with me. Father, we do thank you for this day. Uh, We thank you for the beauty of it, and we thank you for those that have come this way. Father, we ask that you would continue to be with those that we've mentioned before that continually need a touch from you, Father, that you would uh, comfort or heal or bless or strengthen, Father, whatever the case may be, according as our our concern and love goes out for them. But only, Father, as it works out according to your will and purpose. We thank you, God, for each and every one that's come this way today. And you know my heart. My prayer is that the things that were said and done were said and done according to your plan, your purpose, and according to what you would have said instead of what I would have said. And, Father, that is... That and that alone is my desire for these studies as we go through these things and that each and every one that was here would search the scriptures to see if these things be so. Father, be with us as we continue and and endeavor to do the work that you've set forth for us to do. Lead, guide, and keep us in all these aspects of our lives. For it's in Christ's name today we humbly pray. Amen.